All right. Thanks for that reading of Psalm 150, Dan. Um, I invite you to um, bow your heads as I open with prayer. Our great God, as we come into this space this morning, uh, we, we bring with us different things, different stories. We bring with us emotions, highs and lows. And so whether we come this morning with great doubt or whether we come this morning with great faith, whether we come this morning celebrating or we come this morning mourning, whether we come feeling healed or we come with fresh wounds, we're all in the same boat. There's a frailty, a fragility, and a vulnerability to our lives, even though we don't want to admit it. We're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And we come now and we stop before you, before your story in Scripture, before the, this, this table of communion here that points towards the cross and the empty tomb. We stop and we say, your story tells us we're more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. So we're more broken than we care to admit, but your story says we're more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. Both are true. And if we don't admit the first part, the second part about your love for us comes shallow and without the dynamite behind it, without the power. So help us as we listen today to know our, our mess and to know your love as we enter into this ancient prayer book of the Psalms. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The Psalms. As we enter into the Psalms, I think my question of the week last week was, um, have you praised someone lately? And there there weren't very many responses. I I think there was just like one kind of silly response. Um, Oh no, here we go. Here's a couple responses. Praise the Lord, someone says. This is what they said. That was the response. And then the second one, as a teacher, I try to praise my students. I say something like, wow, thanks for all your hard work. You're awesome. So those were our responses to the question of the week. Psalm 150 is about praise. I don't know if you caught that. If you were paying attention, you caught that, hopefully. We're entering into the Psalms, and we're starting with the last Psalm of the whole book. There's 150 of them. We're starting with Psalm 150. And... um, What's going to happen is you're going to see as we, we preach these or as we talk about them in the back, you're going to see that you're led into this um, world of um, just hills and valleys and plains and oceans and rivers and lakes and jaggedy places and smooth places. It's going to be great variety. It's going to be taking you through all the emotions and places of life the book that we're using to guide us in our study in the adult Sunday school, says this. Psalms is a collection of 150 poems that express a wide variety of emotions, including love and adoration towards God, sorrow over sin, dependence on God in desperate circumstances, the battle of fear and trust, walking with God even when the way seems dark, thankfulness for God's care, Devotion to the word of God and confidence in the eventual triumph of God's purpose 
in the world. It says, from tearful laments to triumphant thanksgivings, these expressions of emotion serve as patterns to shape the emotions and actions of the godly of every age. It's the Psalms. That's what we're entering into. One writer named Peter Gomez says this, if you read the Psalms and read them all, and read them at a pretty intense clip. Don't spend all year doing it. Do it over the course of a couple of weeks. Then you'll find, in those 150 psalms, such an acute range of human experiences, you'll think it has been written by your therapist. Psalms. That's what we're entering into. And there's always this sense that like, whatever the emotional place that the psalm is taking you and whatever the emotional, spiritual place the psalm is allowing you and giving you permission to voice and to express in prayer, um, wherever it's going, wherever it's taking you, there's always this sense that, um, that there's like a destination it's taking you. So the psalm might not have a really good feeling to it. The psalm might take you to a really dark place. It might even end in darkness. There's a couple of places in the psalms where the end of the psalm gives almost no hope. And yet if you kind of deal with this as a whole book of all 150 psalms, you see a pattern. And the pattern is you've kind of got your initial place and then you've got disorientation and then you've got reorientation. That's kind of a natural dynamic that these prayers are teaching you to follow, even though you don't realize that they're teaching you that. And this morning, we especially see how there's, there's kind of a, an end point. There's an there's a end point that the Psalms overall, they want you to end up. They want all of life and how you process life and how you live your faith. They picture you and they teach you to kind of be going, all of us, to a common place. And kind of for fun, let me just, to illustrate this, let me just pull out from a whole different place in Scripture and just show you one of the scriptural places of where the Psalms are thinking that your prayer life should drive you towards, what future kind of context. And so I'm talking here about a passage that we use often when we're talking about leaning in as a community at City Life, leaning into God's diverse future. This idea that someday we'll, you know, we may have a story at City Life Church of being a mostly Anglo-Caucasian community of faith. That's sort of what's developed over the last 10 years. But we better be aware and better start opening up ourselves and the doors of this church to ways that we can lean in towards this vision of Revelation 7. So we've talked about this passage and these verses. Let me just read it a second. After this, I saw four... Um, oh, wait, no, not that part. Uh, after this, another place. After this, I looked up and before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne to the lamb I said it softly they were saying they were crying out in a loud voice 
Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then it goes on to say that all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And what that sounds like, if you know the Psalms, that sounds like the Psalms. That's what the Psalms are teaching the people of Israel in the Old Testament is what they're teaching the church in the New Testament. We're, and, and so we're looking at Psalm 150. And guess what? Psalm 150 is kind of like this conclusion, this place at the end of the psalm book. It says, this is where you're going. This is where the journey through all the highs and lows, the ups and downs, the painful places, the happy places, it's all driving towards you being more and more someone who's ready to praise. How are you doing at that right now? I'll answer, not very good. I, I really, honestly, I stand up here and I go, I'm, I'm supposed to preach on this today? This is so, um, I don't know, convicting maybe is the word? Convicting for me? So I, today I'm preaching to you in a way about a mystery that I am entering into and trying to figure out. I'm preaching to myself today. Um, I need Psalm 50 and I need what Psalm 50 is saying. We, we looked this morning at how throughout the whole book of Psalms, so this, let me just, so Psalm 150 is at the end. We have to learn what's going on with the structure here. Why is it at the end? Why is it there like this? So first, if you look at the whole book, you see there's actually five sections to the book of Psalms. These 150 Psalms are divided into five books. At the end of each book, there's, a, there's praise given. So at the end of book one, which in your, the page in your Bibles is, I'm going to flip through these really fast, but the page is 529. It says at the end of Psalm 41, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. And each of the book, five books ends that way. Book two ends on chapter or Psalm 72, and it says, Praise be to the Lord of Israel, the God of Israel. Praise be to his glorious name forever. On and on and on, amen and amen. So they, this is how these five books each end. They each end with a verse or two about praise, calling you to praise. Everything's driving towards praise. And then we get to Psalm 150, the end of book five, and it's not just a couple verses tacked on. The whole, uh, the whole psalm is about praise. So praise is a destination, Praise is where, whether you're in an incredibly, incredibly painful, wounded kind of place, you might not be praising that day. You might not be praising that season or that month or that year. But if you've been shaped by the Psalms, you know you're moving towards praise. You may not be able to voice it. And sometimes the more you're shaped by this book through life, through the decades of life that you live... You actually, in that day, in that month, in that year, in that season of darkness and pain, you can actually sometimes praise in that darkness because you've been so shaped by this orientation. And it's not fake. You know, some people, you get the sense, you know, they put on crazy kind of language and you almost sometimes wonder, is, are you being fake right now? You know, are you, are you for real? It almost can feel styrofoam. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who's gone to the depths and over decades has learned still 
some way, some, some mysterious way, I'm praising amidst the depths, and I'm moving towards prayer through it all. That's what this book is doing, and that's what Psalm 50, that's why we start with Psalm 150. So we look at it. Psalm 150 starts with the, with the simple phrase, praise the Lord. Um, in Hebrew, that's hallelujah. Hallel is praise, and then when you've got the yah at the end, that's like Yahweh. So praise, in, in our translation, doesn't use, anytime the, God's name Yahweh is, is there in the Hebrew text, our translation, like many of them, puts uh, Lord, because the ancient, because the Jews used to take that and put Adonai, which means Lord, used to put that over that. Um, so praise the Lord is praise Yahweh, and it starts the psalm, and then look at the end of it, it's the exact same thing at the end. So the first thing you notice if you're looking at Psalm 150 is the thing, anybody who learns about literature, you know, or poems, or whatever, you know, oh, interesting, there's something going on at the beginning and the end, okay. Literature is fun, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it tells us things by the structure sometimes, so the beginning and the end is just the very simple message. Not a lot of detail, not a lot of explanation, not a lot of who, why and whatever, just praise Yahweh. And when you're doing that, when you're praising Yahweh, you're kind of putting everything else underneath Yahweh, all the other things that you live for or you live from or you praise or you, you know, what we might call the idols of our world and our life. And back in their day, it would have been the idols that, and, and gods that had names, Baal and Marduk and all these other gods that they were, so when they were saying, praise Yahweh, it was a way of saying, and not all those other things that don't do anything, that actually don't provide. So right away, praise Yahweh. We're lifting up Yahweh, beginning and end. And then you read on as you're reading in the psalm, and you can kind of sense a little bit of a, an outline as a sense, because this, the next phrase is, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. So in that, in that sentence, we have sort of the where question. Where do you praise God? Where do you praise Yahweh? And it's, the answer is everywhere, you know, up in the heavenly temple and on earth below. So it doesn't matter where. Everywhere. It's cosmic. It's comprehensive. Where? So, we deal with the from, or not the from, we, we deal with the where, and the answer is everywhere, and so then it moves on to how. So first it's praise Yahweh, that's who you praise, that's what you're supposed to, you're supposed to do this, and then you move on to where, it's everywhere, and the next question is how, and it's a big list of a whole bunch of things. You want to, you want to, um, if you want to participate in adventures and missing the point, Hang around some people who are looking at the Bible and going, and this is always the feeling, aha, it's always an aha, aha, there's this big list of different instruments and different ways to praise God. Okay, this is instructions for us today. This is exactly the point by point that, and and, you know, if the instruments aren't listed in here, we probably shouldn't use them because this is instructions and it's the rules and this is what, you know, I would say talk about adventures and missing the point. Because I think if you, if you just kind of absorb it and read over it, and if you have a sense even of how to read the Bible as, as sacred literature, 
the point here is just sort of like to say, do it any way you want. Grab something. Get in the game. Let's go. Praise. It's not, here's the list. Here's the ones. You know, make sure it's a symbol. And it's this kind of symbol. And it's not too loud. It hurts someone's ears. You know, it's, I mean, it, this is just like, uh, that. take that. Oh, you over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do that. Um, oh, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Let's all get together. Let's do this. Let's go. It doesn't matter what you have. Just that you're doing it. That's kind of what you get from this list. In fact, I'm surprised as it goes on. Um, that's actually verse 3. We skipped over verse 2, which is kind of why you praise. And there it's just, you know, you can praise God for his acts of power, or you can just praise him for who he is. That's the, four, the why. Why do you praise? For his acts of power, things he does, or just for who he is. But then it moves on to this list. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now, I'm surprised as I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, like, why is the list not longer? If you really wanted to be impressive here and make this point even better, you could go on for, like, like 20 more lines saying, you know, let the birds sing praise, let the whatever, you know, you could just go on and on and talk about different instruments, talk about different patterns and ways. And that actually happens in the Psalms and other places. Why is this one, why is it so short? Why aren't there more things to emphasize how it's just, hey, grab this, grab this, grab that? And I would say very simply it's this, because I think, and I'm not alone in this, I go with the theory that this psalm is actually so short because it's so important that people from the very beginning of worshiping using the psalm, they wanted their children to be able to memorize it. It's so important this psalm is shorter than Psalm 23. I have Psalm 23 memorized. I don't have this one memorized yet. I think I'm going to memorize it. I don't think it'd be that hard. Because it's got a lot of the, the, one, the main word is repeated over and over again. It's kind of easy, right? And what word is that that's repeated over and over? Praise. Praise. And it would look in Hebrew, it would be Hallel. Um, in fact, that word is in here 13 times. Which is the last thing I want to... So, one, so there's several things I'm just hitting there, trying to give you a, some of the reasons why Psalm 50, 150 functions as this summary and as this telling us about the destination of a life of faith. And so much so that you want little kids to memorize it so that they grow up knowing, you know, all the ups and downs of life eventually is leading towards praise. Um, and just one thing to emphasize, the last kind of textual note here to emphasize, in case you're not getting that point yet, is just the fact that the word praise is in here 13 times. It's in every single line. Again, don't miss the obvious. Don't miss that this is literature. Even how it's structured is telling us very important things. It's not so much about what you do, how you do, where you do it, why you do it. In the end, it's just important that praise happens. The word just is over and over and over. And you'll find it hard in life. You'll find it difficult. There will be ups and downs in life. There will be places where you don't want to praise. Some of you are in places today where you really don't want to praise. You just really don't. And some of you will be in that place next month. Some of you, you know, won't be in that place until your 40s. <laughs> you know? Get, right? You get, if you've lived a little longer than that, you start to realize, yeah, you know, you can get into your, you know, you can get into your 
30s and still kind of not necessarily gone through really any dark places where you didn't know how to fix your life, yourself. But eventually you meet problems you can't fix. And then you say, then you kind of have to say, can I see praise? Can I come out of this and lead towards praise? And what has to happen is that in those places, in those places, if you're going to end up praising in those hardest places, deepest places, hardest places, most difficult struggles that you voice, maybe you pray over and over to God the same things and you're still not getting or not seeing it pan out the way you're hoping. Eventually what has to happen through that if you're going to end up praising is that God, God has to end up looking dependable through even those darkest places. Your engagement with God through the darkest, most difficult places has to end up with you in some way seeing that God shines, that God is enough, that God sort of, hey, for a while it looked like God was missing. Hey, for a while it looked like God was not good. For a while it looked like God was mad at me. For a while it looked like God doesn't have his fingers on the right buttons in our world, (laughs) right? For a while it looked like this, but through that, through that darkness that I had to go through in the end God proved God passed the litmus test God came through shining and so I'm going to even though I've had to I've had to go through the darkest places I'm going to end up praising Um, I think I have a good quote about this from someone who's an expert in the Psalms let's see if I can find it ah yes and it's, it's in your worship guide as well by Walter Brueggemann. He says, Praise as basic trust is an unqualified sense of buoyancy and stability in knowing that the other is unreservedly reliable. Reliable without reservation. Let me say that again. Praise as basic trust is an unqualified sense of buoyancy and stability in knowing that the other is unreservedly reliable. The basic trust necessary to full praise, to create full praise, arises out of intimate, this is what I'm talking about, intimate, genuinely covenantal communion in which the one praised has been put at risk, placed under test, and found adequate. It's fascinating that praise actually means, like if you look up in how we use that word in the definition in the dictionary, praise means to communicate approval. And that, that did a little funny thing for me to, me, to imagine, oh, when, when the Bible has you praise or you sing a song that says praise, you're giving approval to God. I often think of it as the reverse, like I'm looking for God to approve of me. So it just kind of it had me stop as I've been studying this the last couple of weeks. Huh. But then I kind of came around and realized, yeah, approval, so there's a sense in which God knows we have to go through a journey where we end up coming to the end and saying, no, God's actually, I, I'm behind God. I approve, I give him, yeah, I trust him. He's reliable. So this is where the Psalms are going to take us. This is where a life with the Psalms takes us. It would be silly and ridiculous to enter into this study of the Psalms and the Psalm book with just this talking that I'm doing right now. 
I mean, do we have any sense of how this book has been used for centuries and centuries and centuries? People sing this book. It was originally sung, some of the prayers in it, they'll tell you, oh, this is to the tune of such and such, and we have no idea anymore what tune that was, you know, right? This is, this is to the, you know, the, like, whatever, pick your pop song today or something. I don't know what it even means, but clearly from the beginning, this, song, this has been a sung book. I don't think you're going to get the full sense of this by me talking to you right now. And so I thought I'd end with one of the best pictures. It'll be on the screen. It'll be a video. The audio will be coming through as a choir sings a, basically a Psalm 50 kind of psalm. I want us to experience this. This has been one of the most helpful things for me to kind of turn from just a more academic, heady look at things, a mental thing to drop into my heart and to give me a, just a much fuller, needed picture of Psalm 150. So let's see if, see if this works for us. We're going to roll this video out.
the sacrament. All right. Somebody, maybe Davion, could you turn the lights on over there? Um, it, it seemed like we need some practice, huh? <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I was sitting up here front, I'm thinking, I can't, I can't take any more of this, like a, a whole bunch of us just tr- kind of attempting. <laughs> I mean, well, when do we do it? How do we, you know? So I thought maybe we could end standing up like that and just actually getting, getting it right, right? <laughs> getting the rhythm right. But thank you for joining in and participating. Let me tell you what I noticed as I watched that. As I watched that, I noticed I was so glad that the soloist was not a 20-year-old. Here's why. Does a 20-year-old know, I mean, sometimes, but for sure, someone like that, I don't know how old she is when she's singing that, but she's got a head full of gray hair. That much is clear. She knows she's not faking it. Did you think that smile was fake? No. No way. They pan and they show the whole choir. There must have been a hundred and I don't know how many people up there, all in the same robes. When I look at that choir, I don't look at it and go, here's a bunch of people who are having a great week. I know better. Here's, Here's people who, you know... This year has meant a divorce. This year has meant a death. This week has meant a big fall from grace. This week has meant my kids didn't get into the school I thought they needed to get into. This week was a miscarriage. This week was this and that and the other and everything else. And what are they all doing? Praise. Yeah. 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 Now, I don't, you know, and I don't... City life is not going to be that. I don't imagine it. I don't, right? We're not, we don't got it, clearly. We don't got the rhythm. That's not our music yet. But that, is, that needs to speak to us today. Because you need, to see, you need to see that person singing that. You need to see that choir of people who are living their lives in the trenches, going through all kinds of things, and they're coming back around, and they're stopping to praise. Because life needs to drive towards praise you need to see a woman up there singing who you can picture. Can you imagine? I like to imagine almost that she's my aunt or my grandma. Can you imagine going into your aunt's house or your grandma's house? That, and that, and sh- that's her? That's your grandma? Man, the kind of story she's going to be telling you with that smile. The way she's lived her life. What she's going to be telling you about God and Jesus and the Bible. How she's going to sing to you when it's bedtime and she's babysitting. Oh my goodness, and she's been through life, and she knows where life is going, and she knows how to get through life. That's why we watch that. Let me pray. Our God of grace, we pray that our journey in the Psalms may continue to help us just plumb the depths of our faith, but more than that, that it would drive us and pull us towards you, that your Holy Spirit would use this season to draw us closer to you and to help us to um, just, just kind of renew and refresh the toolbox of our daily faith with what people for centuries and millennia have been drawing from in their toolboxes, the Psalms. Meet us, we pray. Jesus, whose name we pray, amen. You can have a seat.